Hello, welcome to Small Findings. I'm Jim Kang, an artist and software engineer. Each week, I tell you about some of the things that I found out that I think might be worth finding out about. This week, we have findings about autocorrelation, what is it, and what is it good for? LLCs, same thing, what are they and what are they good for? And uh, a return with Alex to the scary bridge path. Oh, and I should mention, if you're interested in sci-fi, I'm also on a new podcast. It's called Rehydrate. It's a podcast that my friend Dan came up with, and it's about a book series called The Remembrance of Earth's Past. It's by a Chinese author named Liu Shishin. Each episode, the four hosts discuss a few chapters. So if you're into media commentary and groups of people talking, you should check it out. It's at rehydrate.space. And now on to the findings. I looked into autocorrelation a few weeks ago. My friend Hugh introduced it to me as a way to detect patterns in sounds and words. It's an algorithm, but like the book Why You Hear What You Hear says, most people actually have an innate sense of autocorrelation. They can predict the recurrence of choruses in pop songs. And in a city with a grid system, people can usually tell how often cross streets come up when they walk a long way down a street. But given an explicit mathematical process and uh, input translated into a list of numbers, computers can do this too. And they can actually apply this to more things than people can. They can uh, pick out approximate patterns in domains that are beyond human comprehension. Like, uh, you know, they could apply this to space radiation, or they could find changes, uh, they could look at changes in air pressure in the space of a tenth of a second and um, spot patterns there. As an awards show host on The Simpsons might say, autocorrelation is a word in which auto means self and correlation means correlation. So it kind of means self-correlation. I think this is actually important to look at, though, because a lot of times when you hear auto as a prefix, uh, it's being used as automatic. So it's not automatic correlation. It's self-correlation. It's finding out at what offsets a list of numbers lines up with a copy of itself. That's a little confusing, so let's look at an example. Here is a signal that we want to examine with autocorrelation. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Can you hear the pattern? Let's listen to it again. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. In that signal, you can probably hear a pattern that repeats 
every three sounds. It goes one, two, three, and then that repeats, right? The way a computer could find that pattern is by creating copies of that signal, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, that are time shifted over, right? And overlaying them to see how correlated the original and the shifted copy are. So to make that clear, here's the original signal that we listened to earlier. And here it is overlaid with a copy that's time shifted by one beat. One, three, two, one, two, three, one, three, two, one, two, three, one, three, two, one, two, three. You can probably hear that those aren't very well correlated. It sounds a little bit like gibberish because there are two different sounds happening at the same time. Now, here's the original overlaid with another copy, but this copy is time shifted over by two beats. Two, one, two, three, one, three, two, one, two, three, one, three, two, one, two, three, one, three. Again, it probably does not sound very correlated to you. Now, here's the original signal overlaid with a copy of that signal that's time shifted by three beats. So the offset is three here. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now, I imagine that sounds fairly correlated to most people. It probably sounds almost like the original signal itself. So we'd see that the signal is very correlated with itself at an offset of three, indicating that it's likely that there is a pattern that repeats every three beats. The way a computer or mathematical process would do this is similar, but it would encode the signal as numbers and it would operate on those numbers using mathematical operations. It's relatively simple, but it's very hard to explain in a podcast. I tried. So I'm going to link a blog post in the show notes that explains that. But to do this quickly on large signals, uh, like you'd have to do in order to process audio in real time, there are faster abstractions that involve the Fourier transform. But in essence, these methods are doing the same thing that you just did while listening to those overlaid signals. They are comparing the signal with itself at various offsets and figuring out at which offset the signal is most correlated. And that offset is the interval at which there may be a repeating pattern. So back to our example, uh, you know, using uh, algorithmic methods, it would basically compare um, a signal to a copy of itself at an offset of one, at an offset of two, at an offset of three. Then it would conclude, oh, it's the most correlated of three. So there's most likely to be a pattern that repeats um, every three beats. Computers can apply uh, autocorrelation to uh, a sound signal to find the dominant pitch of that signal. 
they can apply it to temperature over time to find uh, patterns in the weather. Uh, autocorrelation can be applied to any signal that can be expressed as a list of numbers, which makes it widely applicable. I think that's pretty neat. I'm going to issue the following disclaimer for this next finding. The finding does not constitute legal advice. It's just a small finding. You can use it to inspire yourself to think about this topic uh, and then do your own legal research and come to your own conclusions. So this is about LLCs. LLCs, or limited liability corporations, are a certain kind of legal entity here in the United States. I hear about these all the time. When you are thinking about starting uh, a business, um, conventional wisdom says, create an LLC, um, even if it's a one-person business. A lot of different kinds of organizations are packaged as LLCs, uh, both small businesses and shell companies for oligarchs doing uh, nefarious things. Google is an LLC even. The word on the street is that they confer some tax advantage and also protection for personal assets. There's uh, two stories that I typically hear lay people like myself tell about LLCs uh, that explain to them why you need an LLC for a business. The first story goes like this. If your company goes under, the company's creditors can't go after your personal assets in order to collect on their debts. So let's say your LLC borrows $100,000 to buy 100,000 hot dogs, which you're planning to cook and sell for $2 each. Sadly, the hot dogs turn out to be fake. Their foam cylinders spray painted brown and the supplier company has disappeared. Now, your LLC can't make the money it was expecting to make and it can't, uh, it can't pay back its loan of $100,000. In this situation, the bank that lent the $100,000 can take the LLC's assets to collect on the debt. But if the LLC only has $10,000 in assets, that is all the bank can collect. It can't force you to give up personal savings or sell your house in order to pay the LLC's debt. And in, you know, the, the urban legends and stories that I hear. The other story I hear is basically the same thing except for lawsuits. In this scenario, your company gets sued either justly or unjustly and loses. In this, this story, the LLC sells a hot dog to a man who is so disgusted by the hot dog that he can no longer feel love for his partner. And as a result, he gets a divorce and he experiences other fallout from the emotional trauma caused by the disgusting hot dog. And so he sues your LLC and he wins. He is awarded $1 million by the court. Now, the urban legend says that uh, this man can take your LLC's assets, uh, like in the other case, and like in the other case, he can't take your personal assets. If the LLC has $10,000 in assets, that's all the plaintiff gets. 
If you had a sole proprietorship instead of an LLC, the plaintiff would be able to take uh, all of your personal or take your personal assets to get as much of that uh, $1 million as possible. So you could lose your house, assuming uh, that you don't have a million dollars in cash in this story. Now let's talk about what's true and what's not about these stories. The first stories about the debts is basically true. Again, this is a thing you heard in some podcasts that you should verify and not take as legal advice. It's the story about protecting personal assets from a lawsuit that has problems. My internet friend Dan pointed me to an article about this. I'll link it in the show notes. One situation in which you could be held personally liable, even if you have an LLC, is you commit a bad act, like, say, selling an emotionally harmful hot dog and putting aside whether or not that would actually be judged a bad act by a real court. And then it doesn't really matter in that case that you have an LLC. The person who received the bad hot dog can just sue you personally, sidestepping the LLC. In fact, even if you merely approved the hiring of the person who sold the bad hot dog, you could still be held personally liable. Then there is a concept called piercing the corporate veil. If the LLC is not run as a separate company and appears to be one person's alter ego, then the LLC can be bypassed for all sorts of things, uh, including um, debt stuff. You you can be personally liable for the LLC's debts if um, you know it can be proved that it's just uh, your alter ego. Given sufficient doubt about what I knew about LLCs, I decided I needed to call a lawyer. However, I didn't really want to pay for one. So here comes another finding. I remembered that I paid $10 a month for legal insurance from Met Legal, which was formerly called Hyatt Legal Services. It's uh, a benefit provided by some companies, and it keeps lawyers on retainer to provide legal services to clients. Here's my finding about these lawyers. They're not the greatest lawyers of all time. If you think about it, it makes sense. For, for Met Legal to be profitable, they can't pay top dollar for lawyers. If lawyers can find better work than what Met Legal is paying in order to be profitable, they'll just do that other work instead of uh, doing stuff for Met Legal. Many lawyers I called in their directory didn't answer their phone or return voicemails. A few of them answered and sounded annoyed at having to answer the phone. No one greeted me with what, but sometimes that seemed like that was the spirit. There was one guy who was typing up a storm uh, before he said a single word on the call, and he just kept typing throughout the call. The reason I had to call so many of the lawyers from this directory was that um, your company gets to choose which categories of lawyers are available to their employees via MetLegal. And the company I work for made the business category of lawyers unavailable. However, 
I did notice that they made the miscellaneous category available. So I called a lot of miscellaneous lawyers, and many of them said that they couldn't help with LLCs, but one did. And in spite of what I said about the probable caliber of these lawyers, I feel I could trust what he said, at least more than I could trust uh, what I've read on the internet or have heard from friends. Uh, this lawyer confirmed that the LLC is what you want for both debt and tort liability protection. Uh, but those aforementioned ways around the, the LLC do exist. Um, if you are worried about losing your house to a lawsuit, um, as you know, that's like the classic example of why you would get an LLC, he pointed out that there is um, homestead protection law in Massachusetts. You get $125,000 in equity on your house shielded from creditors. That is to say, a lawsuit cannot force you to sell your house uh, so that you could pay the $125,000 that you owe because of some lawsuit or something like that. If your house is worth more than that, then yes, they can. Um, however, uh, but you, you get to you know not have to pay $125,000 of that. However, if you pay the state $35, and sign a declaration of homesteading, then you get $500,000 of protection. And it turns out a lot of times people do this at the time they buy their houses. If they have a, a decent lawyer, that lawyer will say, hey, you should sign up. Uh, you should sign a declaration of homesteading. Now, why they require this uh, in order to give you the $500,000 of protection instead of uh, just giving it to you um, that's a question that uh, my partner Kat brought up, and I don't know. Uh, it seems uh, there's probably a story there that is, is very unsatisfying. And as for piercing the corporate veil, um, the lawyer said that following a few simple practices can prevent uh, the piercing of the corporate veil. You should have your business bank account at a different bank than your personal one, even though it's really convenient to just have another account at the same bank. And you should use that account to pay for business expenses and to accept payments for the business instead of taking them yourself. And you should formally pay yourself uh, and, and any other employees of the LLC, if there are any, with actual checks from that business account. And accountants recommend uh, using double-entry bookkeeping for the LLC to make taxes uh, cleaner. So, in conclusion, LLCs are not quite what they seem, or what they seem according to the word on the street that I've, I've heard. They do provide debt protection for your personal assets, but uh, they provide far from total protection from tort liability uh, aka lawsuits, especially if you're a one-person company. And you don't even need to get an LLC to get a, get a federal tax number. Another thing I found out is um, getting a federal tax number is, is pretty easy. You just literally fill out a form uh, on the IRS site and you get it basically instantly. And a federal tax number is a thing you do need to be able to get a business bank account and you know, other business versions of 
things like that. I ended up forming an LLC anyway, even though it doesn't confer most of the protections that I imagined it did. I value it in the same way that I value having a separate space in the apartment to work and uh, having like a grid on a piece of paper that I'm writing on. I'm thinking that the formalism will help with separating work effort and work money from personal work and money. And then that separation will help reduce uh, anxiety because you know, anytime I have more clarity on something, the more relaxed I feel. But we'll see what I think of this in a year when I have to pay another $500 for the privilege of having an LLC. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Alex. Hi, we're yeah, we're back at the Sturdy Bridge. We're trying again. It's yeah. late. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, we're we're uh, ascending up the scary bridge that goes over Route Two. And last time we turned around because the other side was just too scary and it was very late. But now it's uh, what time is it now? Like four thirty-ish. Four thirty-ish. Yeah, we feel safe. I don't see the guy. There's a lot of garbage up here, but. No signs of, of habitation. Empty bridge. Some uh, occasional rust holes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel confident that this isn't going to fall down, I think. Oh, this is a rusty bridge. All right. Descending. Descending to the other side. We've crossed you too. Oh, old socks. Mm. Cigarette butts. Oh, nice! Someone washed out the White Lives oh, Matter yeah. thing. That's that's welcoming. Uh, old clothes. All right, here is the path. We're going through. We're going under a bunch of branches. Oh, private property. No trespassing. Is that true? Looks like a lot of trespassing has happened. Oh, sleeping bag. Oh boy. Why, why would a public bridge cross over into private property, though? Yeah, what's this? Shopping cart. Oh! Here we can come on out. Oh, yeah, we're just by the bike path. Although, yeah, it's interesting that we went through supposed private property to get here. Oh, a lot of garbage. Oh, a lot of broken glass on this path. Yeah, shop. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot of shopping carts. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we see? We've come out into the clearing, and what do you think, Alex? Uh, it's pretty weird. It's like it's a big, definitely a big shift. We go from sort of like wild, crazy Mad Max trash woods to like beautiful, <laughs> sort of like nice Boston suburb. Yeah, clean lawns. Some kids practicing soccer here. Yeah. That's, there's the bike path. I guess that's maybe that's like a, a good representation of society. Like yeah. The, the chaotic edge is always just there at the fringe. Yeah, everything's like, yeah, like strata and sedimentary layers that don't necessarily have to do with each other. Well, we solved the mystery and we conquered our fears. We survived. Yeah. Oh, this reminds me I should make a podcast. <laughs> I haven't done one in a while. All right.
that's it for the findings this time. Do you have any findings you want to share? Do you have any comments you want to make? You can email them to smallfindings at fastmail.com. All right, see you next time.